Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Amen. All right. Praise God. Good morning, church. Good to see you this Sunday morning. Are you excited to be in church? Can we see some excitement? It's good to be excited in church. Because the Bible says we joy will draw water from the wells of salvation. We joy. So there's some things I'll miss if there is no joy met. If it doesn't meet joy, it doesn't like, yeah, I'm not ready. Alright, but when he sees you joyful, I'm like, you guys excited about what I'm about to do. That's what you see. Alright, praise God. There's so much God wants to share with us this morning. I'd like us to be attentive and pay a lot of attention to the teaching this morning. There's no teaching you should pay attention to anyways. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Dimensions of faith. The dimensions of faith. The dimensions of faith. Uh, Alright, so let's project some scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Amen. Now this is a continuation of the Bible faith. Alright, but we're still talking about faith. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, we so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Amen. Looking unto Jesus. Can we have that in PTP translation? PTPT or PTPT? TPT. Is it? Oh, not PPT. Okay, so TPT translation. The Bible says, We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze unto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. He says, his example is this, because his heart was so focused on the joy of knowing what you would be his, knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation, and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Our focus will be on chapter 12, verse 2b. Amen. He says, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you will be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its mediation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. And, and there is something before that particular clause. He says, for he is our example. Amen. Are we together? He says, his example is this. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he sat down at the throne of God. Amen. Amen. And so what was an example? How many teachers do we have here? I'm a teacher. <laughs> Amen. Amen. What is an example? An example is not the answer. An example is a framework 
that contains every element of the kind of question. Such that any other kind of question that comes in that light, you can use the example, extrapolate the concepts, the steps, and answer this question. The example is not the question, but understanding the example properly will make you able to answer all kinds of questions connected to that kind of concept. So if I understand an example properly, you can give me any question that relates to that kind of example. I can effectively answer. But the example is not the answer. The example is not the answer. A lot of people have seen Jesus as the answer. Not exactly. He is the example. Bible says this is his example. That means you will have one example. Oh yes. His example is not to relieve you of your own exam. His example is to empower you to write your exams effectively. And so he is an example not for just nothing. He didn't just become your example for nothing. There is an exam you will be writing on the faith lane. And that example will require his example, or rather that example will require his example to effectively pass. You cannot just attend that exam without extrapolating concepts and elements from his own framework. He is the framework of faith. If you will do well on the faith lane, if you will do well on your faith walk, you cannot but look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, and check out his example. And so when you are, and you can mention how lecturers do this, they give you the simplest of examples. Isn't it? Jesus is not like that. He does the hard part. Alright, he does the most complicated ones, and then gives you the little ones to praise God. Because back in secondary school, they will give you A plus B equal to 7. Where A is 3. What is B? B is 7 minus 3, isn't it? But then you see the exam, and you see 4A squared plus or minus 2. Ah, 2 plus And in a square root inside. And then you see equal to minus 10 raised to power 0. Where do you start from? But guess what? If you check the example well, and extrapolate the key elements from that example, and you apply the same framework to your own current situation, you will find an answer. Amen. The Bible says this is his example. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down on the throne of God. So there are four dimensions to his faith. Are you ready to write? The first dimension to the faith that Jesus exemplifies is that there is a joy set before him. So there is a J factor, amen? amen. You can't remember there is a J factor. There is a joy factor. You see, you cannot say you're on a, a walk of faith without a joy set before you. Without a specific dimensionalized joy set before you. There is no motivation for your faith walk. Guess what? The motivation for his faith walk was the salvation of your soul. That was the joy set before him. He imagined that joy was going to be sometime in the year 2019. In a building listening to God's word, saying, a son of God. And it inspired him. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 11. Bible says he shall see the travail of his soul. And he shall be satisfied. He shall see the travail. What is a travail? A travail is a work produced or birthed with much pain and labor. When you see a travail, it looks like you see a lot of work went into it. But when you see the travail, you are not 
crying. You are smiling. Not because it was less painful, but because you have seen the product of that work. You have seen the product of that labor. It's like when a woman gives birth. She's gone through so much pain and labor to give birth to that child. But once she sees that child, there is something that lives in her womb. There's something that lives in her. She begins to smile and even if she cries, there are tears of joy, not the tears of the pain. Because now she has seen the travail. She has seen the travail. It's the work that is birthed from toil and much labor. He saw the travail of his soul and he cried. He was satisfied. He was satisfied. The Bible says this joy was set. That is, this joy is not a fast, it's not glory. It's set. There are some people that you see, you have joys, but they're not set. They are not dimensionalized. They are not specific. If they tell you what are the things you want to achieve in the year 2020, you can't dimensionalize it. You cannot communicate it. It is not specific. It is not, it's not, it's not accurate. It is not targeted. The joy has to be set. You know when you set blocks? It's set. It's dimensionalized. 10 out of 10 blocks will be exactly like that. Because it is set. Praise the name of God. The Bible says there was a joy set in point. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. The Bible says, Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The people perish because there is nothing set before them. There's got to be something set before you. So in the year 2020, what is set before you? What is set? Without that thing set, trust me, the other dimensions you can afford. Bye bye them. Because this is the beginning of a failure. Something has to be said. Something has to be what you are targeting. The salvation of your soul is what provokes Jesus to be at the cross. It's not the cross that is exciting. The joy is not exciting. The joy is not that those ways. It is the joy that tells you that no worries. This is also going to be alright. You can be bearing the cross with so much pain and agony, but there is a travail in front of you. And that travail motivates you, it inspires you. I like to talk about this Senator Ronaldo, not because he's my favorite player on the planet, because he knows there's so much to do. <laughs> Last week, one day, the whole world needs to pull the spirit away. But however, <laughs> there is something about this deal. This guy, at some point, had only one Ballon d'Or as against Messi's four. But no, we all know that no, nobody is as inspired and as motivated as Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. Patrice Elf ever sometime some, some, it's like I'm speaking Greek. Cristiano Ronaldo is a baller. We know. We know. We know. We know. We know. We so, Cristiano Ronaldo now currently plays for Juventus. In case you think he still plays for Man let me tell you. Just put it in perspective. So, this guy at some point, I don't even want to as opposed to Messi's four. <laughs> oh, yes. You need to be that as well. is the highest, alright, personal recognition of the world that any player in football can receive. Alright, so it's the highest prestigious award for any player on the planet. So that was something that Ronaldo received in 2008. But from 2009 to 2012, Messi received it back to back four times on the bounce. Messi. And then this is Cristiano Ronaldo, one to four. I mean, you wonder how was he able to bounce back to such a degree that he had five and Messi had five at some point? There was a joy set before him. So when you ask Patrice L. Ebra that would you like to visit Cristiano Ronaldo again? You say no. Why? 
Because you see, that guy was too motivated. He spent an entire day in the gym. He spent every single amount of time he could gather inside the gym because there was something set before him. There was something that he was looking at, and until he got it, he was not going to rest. You see, listen, this is the framework of faith. There must be a joy set before you because you see, the joy is not a big deal. But the joy needs to be set to motivate you to do the thing. A lot of people have joys up and down. Ask them, what do you want to do next day? They have things. Even though it may not be set, but at least they have desires, they have hopes, they have aspirations. But it's not really set. Because if it is set, it will move you to bear a cross. The cross are the things that are the personal responsibilities attached to the joys. You can't have a joy that's fall on your laps just like that. There is a cross dimension to every joy. There are cross coefficients to every joy in your life. You can't just joy up and then get it. No, you don't jump from J to G. The last dimension is the G. You don't jump from J to G. You go from J to C. The joy leads you to begin to bear your cross. A lot of people like the idea of many things, but they will never become those things because they have not been able to deconstruct the joys into crosses. That is the responsibility that joy brings you. The joy doesn't just get you excited and you're just excited about the potential, the possibility of this thing. What is the cross dimension? I don't admire people that only see joy. And we are full. I mean, this our generation is full of people that only recognize the joy, the, the whiskeys, the devil knows. They only like to glow like them. But the truth is this, even in that lane, have you gone to check out the back end of those things? You see what they're wearing, you're like, what? What kind of a man is this? Have you gone to check out the back end of this front end that you're seeing? The cross is the back end of the front end that you see that is the joy. The joy is attractive. Oh, Jesus looked at everybody saying that he was excited. But that is not going to get everybody saying. He didn't sit aloof in heaven and start saying, Timilani, you're me, you're saved right now. Oh, Michael Oladi, you are now saved. He didn't, he didn't say that. He bought a cross. He bought a cross. Because the joy will send you to your death. It will send you to the cross. Because there are cross coefficients to every joy. Cross coefficients. Cross coefficients. And so if I ask you next year, what are the things you want to achieve next year? Don't just tell me the things you want to achieve. Tell me the cross coefficient of the things you want to achieve. And I will be sure that you will achieve them. Because once you can pay the price of the cross on any joy, it is guaranteed that the G is for you. Praise God. There is a joy set before him, and then this cross is not to be excited about, it's to be endured. He already explains it. He endured the cross. He enjoyed the cross. He endured it. The cross is, listen, this is his example. Every faith walk will require a cross dimension. Listen to this. Listen, spiritual scam. Spiritual scam is an attempt to eliminate the cross and the shame and jump from joy to glory. Spiritual scam. See, listen, you can say that a testimony is not valid, but it's absence. Alright. I didn't get what I'm saying here. You, you look at a testimony. If you cannot plug these dimensions in it, it's not valid. Because your faith work has to have a joy element as well, have a cross element as well, have a shame element before you can even attempt to touch on the glory. This is his example. This is his example. And this example is a grand framework for every kind of faith walk that you will ever walk upon the face of the earth. It's an example. You, you don't go outside the example to solve a problem that is connected to the example. The example has everything you need to plug into your own current situation to produce the answer you need. The example is not the answer, but the example has the key to the answer. 
And so there is a joy set before you. There is a cross connected to the joy. I admire more people who are able to deconstruct joys into crosses. Now this thing that I want to achieve, how do I achieve it? What is the build up from where I am to where I need to be in that joy? So look to the 9 verse 23. Jesus speaking. He said, he answered and said to If any man will come after me, if any man will be what I am like right now, because you guys like you like the way I look, you like the way I do this stuff, you like the way I raise the dead, you like all these things, you are excited about the potential of being like Jesus. But he says, if you will come after me, if you will be like me in this step, you will be willing to bear your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And it's like, oh, oh, uh, we didn't know it was that expensive. It's okay, we, we are not really excited about being like you anymore. Because you see, it is the cross that really uh, is the one that does the elimination. It's at the cross. Do you know how many want to be what you want to be? It's at the cross line that the elimination happens. It is at that cross line that is, are you are you ready to bear the cross of this joy? If you're not willing, then you're separated from the Lord. Because Jesus looked at them and said, it's okay to want to be like me, but you also must be okay with appearing the cross. You must be okay with denying yourself. And then come after me. Luke chapter 14, verse 27. He said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he says, listen, he cannot be my disciple. You like the idea of being my disciple, but you're not willing to bear the cross? Of be my disciple, you cannot essentially be my disciple. The joy alone will not admit you. The joy alone will not admit you. And this tells you that every January, stop getting excited about the joy of getting something done in the year 2020. Be it into crosses. Yeah. And bring it into timelines. And by the 12th month, you would have achieved it. If you are not fixated on only the joy, the joy, and you have not deconstructed it into crosses, you will never become that. There is no limitation of curse. It's an example. It's an example. It's an example. It's an example. And this thing happens in every sphere of human It is a reality for life. So I was preaching somewhere, sometime, some five, six, seven, perhaps, eight years ago. And someone looked at me and said, Sir, I, I don't know how you how you able to preach like this. I, it's amazing. And as the guy was asking, he said, Can you give me some tips? Can you give me some steps? I really need to be able to do this. And I was about to blot the, the words, oh, he is grace. He's God's grace. You know, we are just recipients of his grace. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit shut me up right there. He says, no, 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 don't, don't, don't deceive this guy. And I, I, I can't celebrate Pastor Ito Regan. He said some very powerful things about this thing last week. But you see, faith and grace are not to pacify your laziness. And to make you even lazier than you were before they met you. No! They empower you to do grace-powered works. That's what faith is all about. And so sometimes all you need to ask is what are the, what is the cross dimension of this thing that I'm excited about? This thing that I like, what is the cross behind it? I look for the cross coefficient. If I'm willing to go through that cross, I don't need to ask for the glory to come. It follows the cross. It follows the cross. 
it follows the course. Many are there that are excited about things, but many are also there that will never get into those realities. Never. Because they're only excited about the joys. Ooh, the joys, the joy sets, the joy sets. Have you acknowledged your capacity to endure the cross? Have you? So I told this man, I said, I, 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 I quite appreciate your admiration of all the Christians, but it's, it's been quite a while the Lord has been laying several things in my heart and has been putting me to the treadmill of studying God's word day in, day out. And I'm not saying that it has to take you this length of time, but you see, you cannot put in something and take out another thing. It's, it's the investment. It's the quality of, of investment and a seed sowing, according to Mark to the poor. It is to the degree that you hear and you point to hearing. It is to that degree that to plow back to you. And I must have done more deliverance to that guy that laid hands on me. I would have done more deliverance on him than just calling him and saying, I have the anointing for massive preaching. So just come, just come. I have the, I have the massive preaching anointing. Just come. And I lay hands on him. He, he, he won't be any more anointed than he was. In fact, he may be worse. Because I may have rubbed up some more hell before. But he, he won't be any better. Because that will not take him to where he's looking for. He needs to be constructed and joy into crosses. This is an eternal principle that works in any sphere of human endeavor. In music, in banking, in finance, in ministry. You have to bear the cross. You have to bear it. He's an example. He will empower you to bear it for you to bear it. Amen. Glory. He doesn't bear it for you. He doesn't answer the question. He gives you an example that helps you plug the coefficients into your own context and then you derive your own answer from it. He doesn't, he doesn't bear it for you. If you will come after me, you will have to deny yourself. Don't just get excited about the potential of being just disciples. There is a cross. Marry the cross. Then it's okay. I have no right for eliminating from the process. I have no right because you are married. What needs to be married? Don't just get excited. The cross speaks to the personal responsibilities, the regiments, the habits, the culture, the daily routines that are attached to the materialization of that job. It will never happen if you don't get married to the cross. So you must embrace the cross until the cross begins to bear you. Till you have become, you have become inseparable from the cross. Just that when you remember asking questions, you're not just throwing joys around. You are giving them the cross, the real source code. The real source code. That's what we want to hear. We will break people. People just like to make it look like they're special. They are not special. If anybody will go through the cross, they'll get the joy. They make it look like they're special. Oh, I just arrived there. You didn't just arrive there. You went through a tunnel. You came out of your day. You have to learn to be fruitful with people. Amen. Give them the cross as you Give them the cross. Stop shouting about how I, I didn't even know how I, I didn't even know. Hey, hey, hey. Nobody will be able to replicate it. Mm-hmm. You're not helping anybody. Hallelujah. Just make you look like, oh, God is just going to look at you. Glory. You, oh, you. Like, no! There is a cross. There is a cross. If you give them the template of the cross, yeah. they will go through the very same cross template and they will come out of the other end. Just like you did. If you are sincere and a good person, you will give them the cross. And not just confuse them with how awesome you are. They're not that awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's the template, the program that produces people of that time. Amen. When you enter into the program, it will replicate itself yes. on you Girl. in as many that will enter. It's, it's a faith program. There is a joy that must be set 
Your imagination must capture it. You must know it like the back of your hand. This is what I want. What is the cross coefficient? Am I willing to endure the cross? So it says in Luke chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Whoever does not bear your cross, come after me. Cannot be my disciple. Because he now began to explain in detail the concept of cost and benefit analysis, right? He says, Listen, which of you will want to build a tower and not first sit down and count the cost whether he is able to finish it, whether he has enough sufficient funds to complete the assignment? If you don't, if you don't, if you, if, if that's your normal building project and you don't do that, how much more a spiritual project? You have to count the cost. You don't just get excited about it. A lot of people jump after mentors today because they think by transparency of the anointing, they will get everything. It doesn't work like that. So they are sowing seeds everywhere. You are not bold because you see they lived, they lived, and you see you have still not changed because you are asking the wrong question. You are asking the wrong question. There is a framework. It's an example. He says this is an example. There is a joy dimension. J. There is a cross dimension. It must be born. He, he said he will bear his own cross. He said if you are not willing to bear it. You cannot just be excited about being a disciple. Remember when the son, the, the mother of James and John, Zebedee, Mrs. Zebedee, <laughs> she came to Jesus and he said, Ah, I like you, son. And I know what you're going to do very much. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Those two seats beside you reserved them for James and John. Me, I don't care. I'll just be But please, these two sons, they're very special to me. Put them there. He said, It's enough for me. Whoever gets the cross gets his wisdom. This is the joy said before you. You are just excited about it. You see, this, I don't have, I don't have jurisdiction over who gets to sit beside me, left or right. So my father is saying, whoever will get the cross, put him there. It's an eternal prison. It works in every sphere of money, every sphere. And that is why many people keep getting angry about who they are the They are not willing to, 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 to pay the price. They are not willing. That person is a bad person. If you go and ask him well, you might be a bad person morally, but he has faith on Christ. Your faith walk requires the enduring of a cross. So where does the shame come from? Where does the shame come from? The shame is a social consequence for your cross. The Bible says, what you do to shame is to despise it. It's to despise the shame. You don't despise the cross, you embrace it. You marry it. You, you hug it until it begins to sell you. <laughs> you marry it. You become inseparable with your cross. But there is a shame attached to every cross. There is a social consequence for that thing that you are daring to do. There are people that will tell you it's not possible. There are people that will tell you what is wrong with you. You want too much. There are things you will no longer be able to do because you have decided to marry a cross. By choosing to marry a cross, you have also made some other series of decisions. Why that one choice? It excludes you from some kinds of enjoyments. It excludes you from some kinds of outings. It excludes you from from some kinds of of pleasures. It excludes you because you have married a cross that has a social consequence. 
That's a social consequence. So people just feel like you're no longer at school as you used to be. You the cross. You are now determined by the cross. Everything you do is now conditioned by the cross. See, that's social consequence. Everybody's going to get excited about it anymore. Everybody's going to like the idea of you Somebody says, oh, you cannot do it. You can't do this. And then you think about it for one week. And God already told you you can do it. And you think about what somebody said about the fact that you cannot do it. For a whole week. And it, it, it stifles your motivation. It stifles your ability to move forward. It ties you to the ground. Because of somebody's opinion. Who cares? If God says to do this, if God says this is the cross to bear for this joy, who bear it to discuss the Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. The Bible says, by faith, Noah. I like that. By faith, Noah. The Bible says, being warned of God as to things yet to be seen. The Bible says, he moved with fear and built a rock to the saving of his household. The Bible says, listen, he condemned the world. You know what it means to condemn the world? The world is saying stuff. The world has thrown mockeries at him. You, you're stupid. Nobody has ever seen, a, seen rain or flood in all these years of our existence. We, never, we don't even know what rain looks like. And I tell you what, there's got to be a rain. Something that we cannot even look back into our history to find out what it looks like. They say, you're, you're foolish. I mean, you, you, you spend all your life. God knows how long this guy spent building an ark. That was some, that was some length. Every day, pow, 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 every single day. And people are saying you're stupid, you're a fool, and they're married, and, and they're giving their, their, their children to marriage, and they're building houses, backing degrees, going places, building houses, and getting their estates or something or somewhere that none of them in existence. Just a few years ago. Hallelujah. But this man caught a vision of what God needed to do. Amen. You see, the word that he was, listen, listen, God looked at him and he found grace in God's side. And he said, You see, I'm about to wipe out the earth. But he, he didn't just say, You will be saved automatically. Hmm. He bore a cross. He built an ark. It took pain. It took travail. That cross element is indispensable. He bore his cross. He bore it. Everything. Power. Power. Now, what is wrong? He despised the world. He condemned the world. He, you see, he weighed all the opinions on a scale and he made it weigh nothing. And so he, he just relegated their opinions to the background. For every faith project you have, there will be Sambalaks and Tobias. They will come and dissuade you from that which God has ordained for you to do. You must despise the shame. You must condemn the world. So you to be able to attain to that gene. You must. No one can. Do you know what I used to condemn the world? Doesn't matter what you guys say. Nothing is going to get us. I have a, I have a joy set before me. My heart will be saved. If you want to be saved, join us. For my, there is a joy set before me. I'm not going to die with the floor. I'm going to go over and above the floor. I will be alive at the other end of the floor. That is your joy set before me. And between that joy and me is a cross. And I will keep bending. I will keep hammering. I will keep. You see, if he didn't. Amen. 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 Am
move with fear, prepare the house to the saving of his house by the way to come in the same token, by the way. In the same token of bearing his cross, he was condemning the world. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you guys tell me. I'll keep you. I'll keep you this. Okay. It doesn't matter what you guys tell me. Have you seen some people who want to become doctors? And seven years after writing John, there is a joy set before them. They bear the cross. Go and do one of you now. Yeah, you want me now. Yeah, you want it now. Why are you going to rock it now? What are you going to do? Go and do something. I can't even write it down for seven years. Leave it there. There is a joy set for you. It's set. It's dimensionalized. If you do not pursue that joy, you won't feel worth living. You won't feel like there is anything worth living for. Because you there is a joy is set. You can't dissuade him. The vision is clear. Sometimes pain and disappointment blur the vision mm-hmm. and blur the joy. Yeah. But you have to keep before you. Yes. That's what motivates you to enjoy your cross. You don't know just likes to enjoy your cross or nothing. There must be a joy, there must be a reward at the other end of it. And so this guy, seven years, he's writing jam. Eight years, he enters into medicine. Another seven years, he puts it in, in the college. Every day, every other person is going to, to parties and movies. He stays in the library, he's reading his books. It's really his FCMCMB or whatever it is that he reads. He reads it. He reads it. He reads it every single day. Because he knows that if he misses one day of reading, there will be a consequence at the other end. So he reads it and so it has a social consequence. People say he's too, he's too serious. He's willing to despise that shame because he has married the cross. He's married the cross. You see, your every cross has a social consequence. So God says, we start the ministry. The cross is to resign from your job. And the shame. <laughs> and the shame will be. People will be looking at you. What's wrong with you? You're smart. You're really smart. Why are you doing carrying Bible over your hands? You're not in your That's the image they have of ministry. Carrying Bible over your hands. I'm a megaphone. I'm a megaphone. And I'm going to run around preaching the gospel. What is wrong with you? If, if you are wrong, if people's opinion weigh too much, you can't walk by faith. Abraham could not sacrifice Isaac. If the opinion of Sarah, your your Sarah, our opinion matters. Let me put let me put the caveat. Your opinion matters, but you see, when it comes to God. Bible says that if you have not hated your father and your mother yes. and your children yes. and magnify him to the highest zenith, yeah. if you are not worthy of him, if you will not, if you will deny me on earth, he says I will deny you. If you see your commitment to me is only in private, it does not have a social consequence. I don't think you believe me enough. I don't think you love me enough. Every single ask of you has a social consequence. People will look at you stupid. Are you okay? What is wrong with you? The, to the degree that you're able to still defend it in front of many witnesses, to that degree that you really believe what you're doing. Because some of us, we believe in our dreams until somebody challenges us. So, no, 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 I didn't mean it. I wasn't that determined. I'm not that committed to what you're saying. I, I can change my mind as, as quickly as you want me to. No. You must be willing to despise Every cross has a social consequence. So, Neymar had a dream. The walls of Jerusalem were broken down. And broken down 
And so he, he realized that the walls were broken down. And he went to the king. I'm not sure I remember his name. After success or something, it's a very complicated name. And then he looked at him and said, Well, he didn't say anything. He was just sad. Because Nehemiah never did his job sad. That's a lesson for all of us. So that when you are sad, it will mean something. <laughs> No, do your job with joy. Exactly. So like they are sad, they'll ask you, is everything alright? You're never like this. Are you okay? That's when they will pay attention to you. But when you're always sad at your your desk, you always have a bad day. People always encourage you every day. Every day he came to the job happy, excited, ready to serve the king. And so this day he came to serve the king as the king's cupbearer. And he was sad that day. And the king said, you have never been like this. What's wrong with you? What's going on? And he said, well, I have many reasons to be sad. Because the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and I don't know what to do. And he said, wow, what do you need me to do? And he began to, and Bible says right there, he prayed to the Lord. It's amazing. It's amazing how, how he did it. Bible says right there, the moment the king asked, he prayed. And before he said a word to the king, he prayed right there. You can pray anywhere, anyhow, anytime. If you need help from heaven, you must pray at any time that you need it. He will answer. It's amazing. That's another series of prayer. But see, Nehemiah looked at him and prayed to God. It's fine, Lord. Give me a mouthful of wisdom. But one of my adversaries will to be or resist. And he opened his mouth and began to speak to the king. And the king said, Everything you need, I will give you. Including giving you bodyguards and a security detail to, uh, to Jerusalem. And all of that happened when he went to Jerusalem and assessed the damage. And he used a lot of wisdom there. And then he came back and he began to arouse and inspire his people to rise and build. There was a joy set before him. He had imagined that the walls of Jerusalem would be erected again and that the gates would be shut and locked and nobody would be able to trespass and break down those walls again. There was a joy set before him specifically. He needed to build the walls of Jerusalem. That was the joy. And then, of course, that required a cross. What was the cross? To build a wall. The wall was not going to stand by itself. You need to build it. You need to get to the ground and work. Roll up your sleeves and work. And so you began to arouse people and began to get resources and began to be And then there were some sons of Bilia, Sambalat and Tobiah. I don't know. Their name sounds like Sambalat and Tobiah. Very, very funny names. And they just began to throw mockery. Because you see, the heart of man is fickle. If you don't believe in God, you see, you will bend the will of man. Bend. The heart of man is fickle. If you don't have faith in some God who is stronger than your heart, you will bend. People will discourage you into failure. They will discourage you into dropping your dreams and saying, you know what, I'm not this determined. I'm not going to be killed, Jesus. Was he the one that broke down the walls? Was it Nehemiah? Was it his, was it his responsibility? Was it his fault? Was it his blame? And he took responsibility for that thing. He took initiative. Nobody was going to build that wall if he didn't. And so he said, I'm going to build these walls. And whatever it takes, I'm going to build it. And so Sambalat and Tobiah started repeatedly, repeatedly, started sending messages of mockeries to them that were wrong with them. What do you guys think you want to do? Tobiah. You know what Tobiah said? Tobiah said, you know what people are making mockeries? It's such, it's such a... Tell me I'm making mockery of the things of God. It's, it's, it's wrong. And so, Sambalat was the superior between Sambalat and Tobiah. You should read it. It's a very interesting story. And then, Sambalat was just, you know, sending words about how that they can't do it and all of those things. 
And Tobias was there, you know, you know all those here, all those hype men. Have you had hype men? He said, like, oh, don't mind them, don't mind them. Even if it's fox, go on, go on, that thing is too close. And he laughed them to scorn. Every day, sending messages of mockery. Messages of mockery. The Bible says, how did Nehemiah, how did strengthen the house? Nehemiah took the 80 verse 10. There has to be joy. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The vision of that thing you want to accomplish has to be so strong in your heart. Stronger than the discouragement of men. Stronger! And he started encouraging their hearts. He said, don't worry. It's all going to be alright. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. And at some point, it was beginning to look like these guys are going to be attacked. So he, he, he built them into an army. They were building and they were ready to fight. At the same time, they were building and ready to fight. Nothing was going to dissuade them. They were willing to bear their cross. The Bible says that the only time they put up their cross was when they washed it. They stayed awake for the most part. Because if somebody has to be keeping watch over the night house or whether they're working, and while all those other ones are keeping watch, they are also working, they have to be running shifts until that wall was completely built. So I asked them, they would say, oh, we just went up our holy hands. And, uh, and, and the wall came up. They, they bore a cross. And attached to that cross was a shame they needed to despise. You have to despise shame. Shame is a strong factor in life. Shame gets people depressed. There's nothing to be ashamed of if I'm all by myself. Except for your mama. You do it. I'm not ashamed of myself. Why should I be ashamed of myself? I'm myself. Who gets ashamed in the bathroom? Do you get ashamed? You just say, ah, shame is triggered in the presence of a top party. When somebody else walks in, that's when shame plays out. So shame is not a factor if. He doesn't have a social implication. But many of us, we, we just like to look good to many people. It has become our life's obsession to make everybody think of us as perfect. And so, even when it means jettisoning the instructions of God, we are willing to sacrifice that instruction on the altar of popularity and acceptance with people. At some point, you will have to jettison the world, condemn the world, despise the world. I want to see you when he started saying that the progress was ah, this, this guy, this guy, are serious. You know, I wanted to distract them. He said, No, I'm, I'm not going to attend to you. I have an important work to do. He said, The joy has to be what consumes everything about you. You must be committed to this joy, to this cross. Yes, you'll be attending to matters that will concern your destiny. People will call you, Let's go for a party, you will go. Let's go for a you will go. You tell them, I have a matter to attend to. I don't have time for frivolities. In the year 2020, there is something I want to achieve by the November 2020. I have to be at it. Yeah. For writers, I know what it means to go to your grind daily. You know what? You know, people just say those things on social media. They don't understand it. You marry your cross on the grind. On the grind. <laughs> you have to really grind. Because you see, so I've written a few books, and those books took a lot of calories. You will research, you will think, you will meditate. It will take literally everything. People are talking to you, you are seeing, you are seeing words, you are seeing concepts. Because you are, you are consumed by it. You, you are literally in that book. You are not living outside of it. Everything you are seeing has to be connected with the else you don't need it. Because you see, it conditions you, it streamlines you. So when everybody is trying to distract you from that joy, you say no. 
Sambalat will come. Tobiah will come. Tell them I have a work and I have a deadline. I have to achieve this at the set time because I'm not on vacation from the field forever. There's a time that I have to get back to a duty post. Did you see how he was a governor of over his people? And all, I mean, every government official should read the book of Nehemiah. All the resources sent to him, legitimately for him, he didn't touch one of them. He didn't touch it because he had worked. And he couldn't be seen as enjoying things when the world is being built. He enjoyed in the building. He rolled up his sleeves. He was not doing all. I'm the executive wall builder. No, no. He built with them. He works with them. He carries sword when they carry sword. He plastered when he left. He screamed when he left. He builds. He didn't touch them. You see, when, when, they, when leadership begins to get so fixated on the privileges of leadership, much more than the responsibilities, they still lose both. They lose both the responsibilities and the privileges. Because you see, the privilege is attached to the cross, to the responsibility. Thank God Nehemiah knew that. And until it was done building, he didn't stop. Not for one day, did he give them a break and say, Don't worry, this guy is their discouragement is getting too much. Let's back it for a day. If they have done it for one day, they will never finish that building. They will never finish. So all the, all the breaks you're giving yourself, stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. Consume. Hearts follow treasures. Oh, you get that. <laughs> So the Bible didn't say, where a man's heart is, that's where it's treasure. The Bible says, where a man's treasure is. You overprice your heart too much. Price your treasures more. What are your treasures? Your time, your resources, your energy. Put your energy and your time in something, your heart will follow it. Put your energy and your time to something, your heart will follow. Start digging, you will start enjoying digging. But if you want to feel like digging, what you dig, you will never dig. So all the things you say you want to do in the air, start doing them before you start feeling like doing them. Once you start doing them, the feelings will catch up with the doing. Feelings follow doing. Are you clear what I'm saying? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So there was a shame to this fight. And then there is a G-Fight. It's the glory. It's the glory. But the glory is not in your purview. You don't determine your own glory. You don't determine when the answer of your faith project will come. You just marry your cross, despise the shame. He will do his thing. He will save your household. You will not perish on the floor. You will have a child. You become the best in that field. Eventually, eventually, he will set you upon the throne of princes. He will carry you on the dung heel and set you on the throne of princes to inherit the glory. That's what Bible says. But you see, only him can do it. Promotion doesn't come from the east, west, or south. He comes from the north. He comes from above. The Bible says he's the one that sets down the king and promotes another. He's the one. He's the only one. He's the only one. Nebuchadnezzar, that's a challenge with a lot of kings. Once you begin to achieve success in an area, you want to begin to arrogate glory to yourself. People like Nebuchadnezzar and Aaron, God taught them the hard way. That's not for I mean, for Nebuchadnezzar, God still gave me a chance. Because God just made him an animal for seven years, and by the time he was done, that was that was that was that was very mad. Because for Herod, he didn't have that chance. Right there, once, eczema. But for Nebuchadnezzar, God said, "You have some good in you. Let me not. Let me just teach you a lesson." And he made him an animal, eating grass with claws and fur for seven years. And let me show you what he said. Nebuchadnezzar chapter four, the last verse. Let us Nebuchadnezzar chapter four, the last verse. 
Daniel chapter 4, the last verse. It's amazing what Nebuchadnezzar, the proud, arrogant, egocentric king said. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise the Lord. Oh, I praise the Lord. And he knelt down and praised and extolled and honored the king of Edward. Ah, there's another king ahead of you. Oh, wow. Interesting. The king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his way is judgment. And those that walk in pride. Oh, he is able to abase. You know, he, oh, I like that. He, he said, God, you are able to abase the proud. Able to put food back to their place. Remember what we said about the Bible faith? How that pride makes you a leg. It can't use you. The only option is to resist. Come on. It can't use you. And so when Nebuchadnezzar when he began to get into pride and began to arrogate the glories of the kingdoms to himself, God taught him a lesson. And by the end of that lesson, he said, See, you are the king. I extol and honor you. And anyone who walks in pride, you are able to obey me. So don't walk in pride. Don't put yourself in positions that God didn't put you. Let God be going to do the duty. When you are doing the leading yourself, that's what the Yoruba's called. You don't, you don't lead yourself. Let God do the lifting. Let God do the lifting. It's not for you to lift yourself. With all that Jesus did, he didn't lift himself. It is God that highly exalted him. I gave him a name that is above every name. At the name of that Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue will confess. Both things in heaven and earth, under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory. God, he is the glory of Jesus, to the glory of God. He is the one that does the lifting. He calls you into glory with him. He does that. You don't carry yourself up. And so no matter what you're pursuing and all of that, you're not going to announce it to yourself. You're not going to announce that I'm the best, I'm the this, I'm the that. No. Let him do the thing. When it's time for your life to shine, everybody will see your good works and glorify your Father just because he will do the announcement. Not you. Did you not see that when Jesus raised from the dead, he didn't go back to Pilate and say, are you still washing your hands? Continue to wash your hands. He didn't do that. He didn't go back to those soldiers and say, oh, you wanted to know the guy that was prophesying let me give you a little word of knowledge. <laughs> he didn't go back to threaten those who didn't believe in him. Yeah? He didn't go back to show himself. He didn't, he didn't get raised from the dead and then appear in mid-heaven and start shouting to everyone, then you see, they go, I'm not alive, but see them, all my mockers. No. No. He only went to only people who already believed him. He didn't have to one person that didn't believe in him. Only those who already believed that is, there was no point to prove. See, Jesus has such a solid security system. He, he had no point to prove. He is God all by himself. He doesn't have to prove to anybody to be more God than he was. He is God. So when he is being humble, it's not because he can be proud. God cannot be proud. Because there's nobody above him. Only those who have superiority over and above them have the capacity to be proud. I cannot be proud if I'm the highest. What, what am I exalting myself over? What am I Where am I going to? I'm the highest. God is the highest. God has no capacity to be proud. Yeah. And that same God chose to be humble. You see, humility is the minimum requirement to walk with God. Because he resists the proud. If you are not somebody who is able to come, at least you know there is somebody above you. So at least be humble. It's just a minimum requirement. Because God had no reason to be humble. He wouldn't have been proud if he was not. Oh, yeah. Because he could not be proud. He is the highest. He is the zenith of everything. 
So he can be proud. But that same God now said, you know what, I take over myself the form of a son, and I know he is on the death. Not only not on the death, but the death of the cross. Wherefore, God now exalts him. Give him a name and that is above every name. And that name, every name has. It is God that exalts him. It is God that exalts him. And when that God is ready to exalt you, you will be like a shadow cast when he's doing the act. You are just behind the scene. Even though it is you that is exalted, you have nothing to do in that sense. He does the exalting. And when he's doing it, ah, everybody will see it. And they will, yes, indeed, bow to the glory of his name. So don't, don't, see, don't use your success to prove a point to those that didn't believe you. Have you heard people like that? Their motivation is those that didn't believe them. To perfect them. They said I couldn't make it, I'm ready. I put on Instagram and perfect them. That's not how to respect them. Just, just let God know. Let God be able to do all of those things. God is your PR. You're not doing all of that. He does it for you. He handles your PR. He handles it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need you to start putting your mouth where it doesn't belong. Praise the name of the Lord. Lord. Joseph's heart was to use his power to intimidate, oppress, and threaten his brothers. He would have never become prime minister. He must become bigger than the mockers. He must be bigger than the mockers. He must be bigger than your mockers. You are not a mocker. So why play on their turf? You're not a mocker. So I'm not mocking you. You can't do this. Let them say what they have to say. You just get fixated on the cross and the joy. Despite the shame, when God begins to set you down at the foot of God, everybody will see. You don't have to prove any points to them. Some people are so motivated by favoring people. That's not how to live your life. Don't live your life on the plane of comparisons. Live your life to please God by faith. And everything you have to do in the year 2020, deconstruct them into crosses and shame. There will be things that you will have to do. Deconstruct them to crosses. That's what I want for you to do. Deconstruct them into crosses. The year 2020 is coming in a few weeks. What are the things God has made in your heart to achieve in the year 2020? Deconstruct them into crosses. What are the things, what is the cross coefficient of that joy in January? What is the cross coefficient in February? What is the cross coefficient in mind? Follow the crosses. Follow it. You will end up in glory. Follow the cross. Follow it. Whatever the cross has to do in those months, do them, do them, do them, do them. At the other end, you will find the joy and the glory. You will find it there. You will be, be that reality. But if you keep pushing it forward, you are not willing to embrace the cross, but you keep getting excited about the joy, you will never amount to the truth. You won't. It's a natural, eternal, spiritual principle. It cuts across every sphere of human endeavor. If you intend to do anything significant with your life in the year 2020, this is the pathway. This is the example. This is the example. Follow the example. And you will arrive at your own answer. Praise the name of God. I don't thank you for your word. Thank you for the teaching of your word. Thank you for your supply of your spirit. Thank you, Father, because we are instructed. Thank you, Father, because we are instructed in righteousness. Our year 2020 will be one of the most successful, productive, and brilliant years of our lives in the name of Jesus. Because your faith and your grace will produce great power works in our life in the name of Jesus. That will not go to 2020 in assumption, in presumption. Oh, God will do it. Oh, God will do it. No, we will know what to do to bridge the gap between what we want and what God has done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, for in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at Powerpoint Tribe.